Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today as we do our sermon recap, which we try to do each and every week and release on Wednesday, where the four of us pastors get to sit down and critique me. That's what they like to do. So that's what we are going to try to do today the best that we can. I feel like that rarely happens. I know. It probably should more, though. <laughs> more. So, Spencer, do you want to critique me on this sermon? <laughs> Just kidding. <Yeah. laughs> Just kidding. All right. So we were in First Timothy chapter 3. Looking at verses 8 through 13, probably, I don't know. Anyways, the week before was looking at pastor elder role and the qualifications. Now Paul talking to Timothy dives into the second office that we see within church life, and that is deacon, the office of, of deacon. And so we spent some time yesterday trying to talk about deacons and what are they. The Greek word simply means a servant, a servant of the church. And we see this word all over scripture, but it's often translated not as deacon but as servant or sometimes service or different things like this minister yeah yep minister uh but it's the same it's the same word uh being used there with the same thought behind it and so because of that what we see in scripture i read john 12 26 as part of this but we are all called to deacon to serve and to minister to each other within the body of christ and so as believers, we're called to this service for our king because of what he has done for us. Out of that, the flow out of that then is we then love each other, minister to each other, and care for for one another. Um, Paul would say in another way, I read in Philippians chapter 2, where he tells us to have a like mind. And I talked about this at the end of the sermon, but the example of the like mind is Jesus himself, right? He laid down everything to come here in obedience to his father to give his life as a ransom for many. And so this is our example. And if the Savior did that for us, why are we not then doing that for each other? That's what we're, that's what we're called to do very clearly in the New Testament often. And so with that in mind, as we approach the deacon and their, their role within the church in this office, I think that needed to be in our, in our head. Now, I shared some history of deacons within the church were any of you guys familiar with any history of deacons within the church at all? You ever done any studies like that? No? No, that was pretty informative. Uh, like when you, especially when you went through like how once like Rome kind of became central and the way that the role of deacon yeah. changed, it kind of become a stepping stone. Mm -hmm. I've, I've even seen churches in Baptist circles nowadays treat deacons as a stepping stone to sure. be a pastorate. Mm-hmm. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you don't want to ordain somebody to ministry before you ordain them to be a deacon. Like, you know, that's their period of testing or whatever. Right. Um, but no, I thought that was really informative and helpful. Yeah, it seems like the deacons within the church in the early part of the church were great servants, would minister to the sick, to the needy, to, the, to those who are dying. Uh, many of them risked their own life during plagues or different things to go in and to care for their brothers and sisters in the Lord. And the the quotes that we have it says and they were glad to die with them and they would they would even die with them because that they would be willing to put them this other person's care in front of their own care but what happens with that too uh, i didn't have a quote in the sermon but in my readings it was it said and this is how the people of rome began to see the church they would say look what great love they have for each other this is odd like that they would do this and it's Interesting that they would say that because this is that's exactly what the Bible says as well, right? The love that we have for each other is gonna gonna show them something. And it's gonna give us opportunity to point to 
Christ our King, which is why we have the love that we have for one another. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, as Scott was saying, once Rome kind of got involved, there was um, heresies going around. There was a lot in the church that needed to be dealt with. And so I would like to think out of, uh, out of a goodness of their heart to try to deal with all this, they started to establish more systems in place. And actually another office came into play the role of bishop. And so you started to have bishop, then you started to have elder pastor and also deacon. And when that happened, the role of deacon began to change where it wasn't necessarily a mercy ministry. It started to turn into something similar to what Scott said as a stepping stone, or even before that, they were just seen as like secretaries to the bishops uh, at the time to get word out for different things. And so a lot of that mercy and care kind of stopped. And then as you get farther, like into the Middle Ages, it was definitely just a stepping stone. Um, and by then we even had more offices because you had like the uh, archdeacon, you know, role now. And so you had deacon serving under that That's one. That's kind of like Larry, right? Larry's our <laughs> yeah. archdeacon. Yeah. 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 That's how that works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sadly, it began to be a put that in the Constitution. <laughs> well, he's the working new, on the new that. one. Yeah, maybe yeah. he did. Put that role in there. Yeah, he's working um, on it. So maybe yeah. he did that. Yep. We probably should scan it better. Next yeah. Time. <laughs> see what he threw in there. But sadly, what we see start to happen is the deacons start to become rich because <laughs> they're taking the church funds and they're not using them appropriately for care. And this is where we get the phrase demon deacons, like for Wake Forest, <laughs> for Wake Forest right? <laughs> Yeah, I wonder yeah. why they chose that name. I don't know. You guys, you guys know that? Mm-hmm. Wake Forest University? They're the I have Demon no Deacons. idea what you're talking no, about. Their, their sports teams are called the Demon Deacons. Oh, there you go. Really? You don't know Wake Forest University? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I've it's been to Wake Forest. Right next to Southeastern. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I've been to Wake Forest. Okay. But you didn't know not, they were the Demon Deacons? No. Hmm. no. Chris Paul? I mean, that's not too far away from Duke, right? Aren't they like the Blue Devils or something like that? Huh? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know. Good job. Good job, Scott. Yeah. Mm-hmm. March Madness is coming, coming up. Yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll watch those games. This yeah. week's big, there you go. big week, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I don't know where I'm at. No, I'm thinking about the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Deacons, Deacons began getting rich and yes, money. And, oh, yeah. Taking yeah. the money from the church. Yeah, that started happening in the Middle Ages. Yes. Okay. But anyways, but when the Reformation came, um, we see some work where Deacons began, began to get back to what they were supposed to do. And actually, Calvin was pretty uh, integral in that, of establishing these offices now, I think Calvin would have still had more than two offices, but the office of deacon began to be more about care and mercy again and compassion and meeting uh, physical needs. Now, in saying all of this, another important thing that we'll see, because when we get to the qualifications, is these aren't just men who serve and meet needs, but they also know the faith and they know it well enough to be able to share the gospel with people, to be assuring of the gospel to the people within their congregation who they're loving and caring for and pointing people to Christ often. So they hold to this mystery of the faith, uh, but they, and they know it, they know it well. And I think that's important to say, because a lot of times when you look at the distinction between elder pastor and deacon, the big one that jumps out is the teaching, which then makes some people think, well, then deacons don't really need to know anything. They just need to be servants. And it's like, no, they have to prove themselves in the faith before. And that's not just service, but also in training and knowing the word of God and being able to handle it. And that's an important part. You think about it. I mean, if a deacon is doing the tasks that he was called to do there in the very early church and he's ministering to these families who are dying, but yet doesn't know any of the word of God, then what's he really doing? Mm-hmm. Right. Then he's just, he's just like a funeral home director in town who doesn't believe in God or anything, but still meeting needs, which is good, but not 
pointing them to the hope that they have in Christ. And so the deacons, we still did that. And even in Acts 6 with Stephen, I mean, Mm -hmm. he preaches quite a good sermon (laughs) right before he gets killed. Yeah, and Philip with Philip, the eunuch, mm-hmm. yeah, able to to clarify the scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, that the eunuch was reading. Yeah, I think that also helps correct if we have like an understanding that deacons are just handy men. Yeah, like men right. who are handy mm-hmm. that you know have time on their hands to serve in that kind of way. That that's not just what a deacon is. That's part of what they might do. But and I do think that us. will vary, right, from deacon deacon, just like with pastors. We all have different skills and abilities, and and so you'll have some pastors who are really good at one aspect of their job and not so good at another aspect of their job, and that's okay. It doesn't mean they're disqualified, and I'd say the same for deacons. You probably have some deacons who are awesome at service, and when it comes to the Word of God, they know it, but they're not super comfortable all the time one-on-one teaching or whatever it might be, and and that's okay because their role isn't really to necessarily be teachers uh, but to serve. But they still have to be able to know the word, have trusted in the word, they're Christians themselves, right? Holding on to the joy that Christ has given us and also being able to share that with others. Well, so it was just like a little rundown of deacons throughout history, uh, a little bit. But in our passage, we're looking at the qualifications for deacons. And it starts by saying they need to be uh, dignified. And then, see, it's hard uh, for me, it's hard to do these one by one because a lot of them are connected. But anyways, he first says dignified and then gives like a list of negatives. Not double-tongued, not addicted to wine, and not not greedy. Um, the greedy one makes a lot of sense, especially if they're going to handle money with the church, meeting needs, uh, which is a role of the, of the deacons that they should do. Um, and so they definitely don't need to be ones who are trying to be like Judas and skim off the top, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which, which it seems Judas was known for, right, with the disciples. You just want that for yourself. Uh, but, yeah. 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 No, you're right. Okay. Thanks. You're just looking at me odd. Like, <laughs> I thought I was going wrong in the wrong area there. Uh, yeah, no, he was the first church treasurer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he didn't do a good job. No. No. Didn't no. set a good tone. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but, so not greedy. Makes a lot of sense there. Uh, not double-tongued. Another one that's important when you look at one of the tasks of deacons is helping keep the church unified. Um, towards the end of the sermon, I used uh, Matt Smether's book on deacons. Is that is that series called something, Scott? Those little books? I couldn't remember. I don't know if it's called like the Church Basics series <clears throat> or something like that. That's something. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one right there, actually. Uh, it's Because it's just called Deacons, I think. But I I didn't know if it came from something else. It's a little purple book. It's not very not very big. It's very easy to read. Um, can read it actually rather quickly. Uh, but he he listed three things in there that I talked about in the sermon after the qualifications that he thinks Deacon should it's do. It's called the Building Healthy Churches series. Building Healthy Churches yeah. series. There okay. we go. <clears throat> and he said the first needs, and well, we can talk more about this later, spotting and meeting tangible needs. Uh, second thing, protecting and promoting church unity. And then the last thing was serving and supporting the ministry of the pastors. And when you look at these three things, it becomes pretty easy to understand why double-tongued would be in there. Because if they're serving alongside the pastors and elders who are teaching and preaching and, and trying to guide people spiritually through the Word of God, and then the deacons are the ones going out and doing all these tangible needs that flow from that, from that teaching, what they're going to run into is they're going to run into a lot of conversations with people in the church 
where they're going to hear complaining. They might hear, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. And what's not needed is them being behind the back of the pastor saying, yeah, I don't really like that he does that either. But then when he's with the pastor being like, oh, everything's great and good. That's double-tongued. It's like you're not really giving church unity here. You're letting there be a separation. Somebody's wrong. Either the pastor needs to be told, you shouldn't be doing this, maybe maybe rethink this. Or the the member needs to be told, you know, you, you shouldn't be talking like that. Trying to bring unity to the congregation at all time. And so this idea of double tongue becomes important. And it's one of the first things that Paul lays out here uh, for Timothy when talking about deacons. Um, yeah, I think, I think one of the things too, you can see is the, uh, the assumption that deacons will be, um, in the, uh, the homes one-on-one with people, because that would be a very easy place to spread dissatisfaction or rumors Mm -hmm. or uh, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, having a, a deacon who is dignified, but who is overall, um, a picture of Christian character because you're going to be going one-on-one with a bunch of these people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's uh, the, the deacon's role is actually a very one-on-one personal role um, to meet the needs of people. And so you want to make sure that these guys who are going in there are, have the, while they're doing one-on-one work, you want to make sure they've got the whole picture as well in mind mm-hmm. um, as they're going to minister to one-on-one needs. And in Acts 6, I mean, you referenced that passage as when deacons kind of first came on the scene and the need for them. I mean, that instance right there at the beginning of the church was really the first threat to the unity of the church. Right. Where mm-hmm. there were two different groups that thought one was being prioritized over the other. And the role of the deacons wasn't simply to serve those tables. It was to reunify the church to make sure everybody was being served equally in that. So that doesn't necessarily have to do with their tongues. But it, it does go back to addressing the issue of disunity in the church, mm-hmm. even that's in their conception. Yep, exactly. All right, as we go through this some more, uh, Paul then talks about they need to hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. So first, they must be a Christian, must know how to speak the truth of the gospel to those that they're ministering to, uh, and do it honestly, openly, truthfully for them. But then also, uh, the clear conscience part could be pointing to like, uh, somebody of integrity, right? Somebody who um, is honestly serving the Lord with all their heart. They're not going to be perfect, uh, but they are trying to serve him and, and honor him because of what he has done for them. And so they're, they're people of integrity that the church can can look to. And even they, they can be examples for the rest of the, of the congregation. Because again, we're all called to serve, but yet there is an office of service called the deacon office that men are some men are called to do and so i think they would lead by example uh, in that for us um paul says they should be tested and found blameless so they've proven out their faith they've proven out their servanthood uh they've already been serving probably within the church before this office was given to them uh you've known them uh, for a while and again that word blameless comes up which is a tough one uh, that we saw with the pastor elder role as well uh, we know nobody is blameless. Nobody is perfect. But it, it's kind of getting at that uh, people in the church, you know, when you're bringing these men forward to be deacons, there's no real question. It's like, I don't know. You know, you got a big a, a population over here who's like, I don't know if we should call him. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, it, for the most part, everybody's like, yeah, that's a right. good call. Yeah, and I think it really just gets at the fact that um, on the whole, 
Mm-hmm. You're looking at guys on the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not like, there's going to be flaws and remaining sin in every person, but it's not like there's something so glaring that you're like, yeah, that's, that's a major issue in his life. But on the whole, you're like, yeah, I can, we can trust this guy. And this guy believes in Christ mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and is cherishing Jesus Christ crucified. Cause he talks about the mystery of the faith and he, you know, you're going to get to it next week, but um, the mystery of godliness, he needs to hold those things close to his heart because the deacon office is, and I've been thinking about this recently about how the office is a pastor and deacon. We need to, I don't know. I think it's important to tie them very closely to the person of Jesus because Jesus is the chief shepherd, the chief pastor of the church, but also he's the chief deacon of the church and tying it back to showing how being a deacon is, is inherently a gospel ministry in the context of the local church. Because like you said, they have to hold the mystery of the faith with a good conscience. And Paul talks about the conscience in chapter one Mm -hmm. earlier, where he says the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And then later on, he says that um, Alexander and Hymenaeus have, um, do not have not are not no longer holding the faith and a good conscience. Mm-hmm. So they've rejected Jesus Christ and his salvation for sinners. So we want our deacons to have a good basic grasp of um, the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ, because that is inseparable um, from their calling as, as, as servants in the church. I just think that that's, that's a very important thing, I think, to tie the offices back to Jesus Christ as well in both of them, and I think that would be good for further reflection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then goes into manage their household well. Um, maybe you guys would have something to say about this. I don't, I don't know how much you guys have studied it, but verse 11, I didn't talk about this in the sermon because I didn't feel a need. <laughs> but it says their wives likewise. Hold on, I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. This is, this is the section where some would say you can have deacons and deaconesses, women deacons, because from what I gathered, the word wives is really just a general term for women there, and it, it's not necessarily a possessive word from the deacon. And then late, because then later in the next verse it says, should be the husband of one wife. It's, it's kind of a confusing thing where it seems like, for the most part, throughout history, people would assume this was a, a man's only position. And because of the way Paul wrote it, this is the, the way it should be took. Their wives likewise must be this, and they should be the husband of one wife. But some have taken that to say, no, what being allowed here is women deacons in this little section is talking about it here. <clears throat> so there is a little bit of that in history that people can study on their own if they would like to. I didn't mm-hmm. feel the need to have to go into that. Mm-hmm. But we dive a little deeper here, and so I'll just give him a little deeper <laughs> of the study there. I, I've always kind of looked at this, um, and I don't think I studied it maybe as in-depth as you did, but that it, he's making the, 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 the connection with the deacons who are called to this to be dignified and to be you know set apart. And then their wives, likewise. In other words, it's almost like, you know, if, if you're called to this service, to this office, your wives should be in agreement with this. And they should mm-hmm. also be above reproach and should be, you know, supportive and managing the household along with the deacon and so forth. So that's kind of, it almost seems like it flows together in that way. Yeah, and that's been the common take. The issue yeah. that the other side would say is, why didn't they say that for the pastor elder? wife mm, interesting why yeah. would they all of a sudden bring that yeah. up here right and uh 
it's it's a good question. It's a mm-hmm. good thing to yeah. look at. Yeah, I remember studying this too, and and you can see why they would sit, think that you know. So, for instance, Paul says deacons likewise, mm-hmm. and then verse eleven, their argument would be the women likewise. Likewise, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I understand. Mm-hmm. For instance, the the fact that yes, the women can be taken uh, generically here. That is that is a possibility. My bigger thing would be, um, I would think the the problem is 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 verse eleven clear not it's not among the clearest verses you have so we need to step back and govern our understanding of church office and how jesus wants the church run by the clearest passages that we have we do know that men are supposed to be deacons we do have that clearly stated Mm -hmm. we have examples of deacons in the new testament church that are men Um, also it needs to be reaffirmed as well that all believers, whether you're a deacon or a pastor, are still called to be small d deacons, servants of the church in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think for me, I would, I, I guess what I'm what I'm getting at here is when when I know some interpreters and good people would try to argue from verse eleven that well, this is a case for women deacons or deaconesses, and I think. That uh, that is asking this verse to do too much work. Um, it's not clear, um, and I think it would be much safer and sounder to stick to the clear passages that we have, while understanding that we're still saying that all believers, women included, have roles and serving places in the church that are because we're all called to do that, regardless of whether or not we hold an official church office or not. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think there is a, there's that aspect of interpretation where you let the clear passages speak. And if there's things that are less clear, you don't try to drive a truck through them if you can't. <laughs> and that's what seems to me to be happening sometimes with verse 11 mm-hmm. is people are trying to let it do too much work that it can't do. Because not all passages of Scripture are alike, plain and clear. Sure. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting. Romans 16, I was thinking about Phoebe. And I, you know, I I did a I did a um, preaching series at a previous church in, in through the Book of Romans, and you know it says that Phoebe, a servant, diakona, same word, of the church at Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in in a way worthy of the saints. But it's interesting because again, the word diakonos can be used to both talk about the office as mentioned, deacon, and as just a general, a general. servant. Mm-hmm. And it says she was a servant of the church. Um, most likely, scholars think that she hosted a house church, her and her family, you know, or she was, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a hospitable person and opened her home, and the church met at her home, similar to Lydia. So that's kind of the, but there are some that would take that, again, that word oh, deaconess yeah, and say, oh, that's an office. So. She would be the prime example. Right, exactly. For yeah. people with deaconesses. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, but anyways, it goes on to talk about how they should manage their home well, right? Just like with the, with the elders, uh, pastor role. They should manage their household well. Uh, an interesting thing, though, verse 13, it says, For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. And Paul talks about the blessing of being able to serve as a deacon in that role, right? They, they gain a good standing for themselves. When they do this well, they have a good standing within the church. They're respected. They're loved. And I think that's something that's important to see. And I think it's something that's important for our church to then reflect of our deacons. As the deacons in our church love and care for us well, 
we should respect and love them back. Let them have a good standing within the church. There's nothing wrong. It's not saying they're more Christian than anybody else or in heaven they're going to have a better spot than anybody else. We're saying it's just these men serve us well, and we love and we respect them and we care for them, and so we want to honor them in that way. Uh, But then also, as they serve, it seems what's being said here, uh, it says also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. As they serve, they have their faith seems to grow, and it's and it's because service allows that so often. Uh, the example that I gave uh, on Sunday morning was simply what I found. So often when I try to serve somebody, when I try to care for somebody, is I realize that I shouldn't be the one doing that, it feels like. I feel so, uh, I see my own sin, you know, or if I'm trying to help somebody who's struggling and I'm pointing some things out in their life that maybe, you know, the Bible would say, you should, <laughs> you should deal with this. I usually leave saying, well, Tim, you should too. And God uses those instances of service to weed out this sin in my life to where now I'm allowed to go before God and say, God, you're, you're revealing to me sin, pride, whatever it might be in my heart. But as a result of that, my faith continues to grow because I know he continues to love me despite my sin, <laughs> right? Despite the ugliness of me. And he continues to allow me to serve and he will use me for good in the lives of people. That's awesome thing to think about. And so um, our faith continues to grow as we as we serve. And again, he's speaking specifically of this office, but we see this with church members as well. As we have the privilege of serving, God will use that, not only in, in the life of the person that we're helping, but also in our life, you know, to uh, sometimes encourage us, but sometimes to break us down <laughs> so that we get off our high horse and realize, okay, yeah, I need to fall on my face before him again and again. <clears throat> and then, as Spencer already said, we lastly looked at Jesus being the supreme deacon. He is the example of this office and this role. Uh, and I read uh, from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and I, I did this because I wanted to read this section before I read uh, what I read in John. But in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, everybody seems to know these verses, but I don't think any of us can really grasp what's happening here because... I don't think we can understand what it means that he emptied himself. Mm-hmm. We are sinners. We are human. It's what we always are. To realize the humility that it took for our Savior to do what he came to do and the obedience that it took to follow the will of the Father all the way to the cross is something none of us can, I think, truly grasp and understand. But that's what, ha- that's what Jesus did for us. When you then read John 13, which... Spencer actually read this at the uh, deacon ordination service a few weeks ago, is Jesus is getting ready to go through with what Philippians is saying there. Uh, he's getting ready to be arrested, tried, crucified, buried. And before that, what it tells us in John 13, what he does, is he gets his disciples around the table, Passover, and he kneels down and he starts to wash their feet. And he's, he's washing their feet. There's conversations that happen. But then as you get to uh, verses 12 through 17 there in John 13, Jesus says exactly why he did this. He says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I just done to you? 
You call me teacher, Lord, you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus gives us a supreme example of what it means to deacon, to serve. And now in this passage, he's not talking to the office of deacon. He's talking to the office of believer, the general believer. This is what you are to do for each other. But as deacons, they can look to this to say, okay, I see what this means. I have this office that could be superior, I guess. But I'm to be laying myself down for the people in my church family, loving them and and caring for them. But then likewise, the rest of us, as we listen to that, that's the same for us that we should be that we should be doing. And so I tried to stress that yesterday the best that I could. And uh, one of the things that I, I think I didn't do well, I didn't mean to do this, but I, I, I think it came across this way from a comment that I heard, is uh, that's, that's part of the job of pastors too. I don't want people to walk away thinking if they ever have a need, if there's anything in the church, they should never bother the pastors. They should only go to the deacons. And I did kind of hear a comment like that later on. Um, and I didn't mean for it to come across that way. I do think deacons would be, should be the primary ones in the church who are doing that, who are leading in that. But I think all of us would agree in this room, at least I, I hope you guys have this heart, is I love being able to serve and meet needs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like that's very refreshing mm-hmm. for me. You know, it's, it's hard for me to sit in my office and study. I'd say it's so important, and I believe it is, but that's a difficult task for me because I would much rather be doing like what I got to do a few days ago and loading my truck with a generator and taking it to somebody's house, you know, or pulling up to a member's house and seeing if I could help with something. That stuff to me is easy and enjoyable. And you almost get instant gratification oftentimes when you do it, which is a little simple because you feel good about yourself, right? But um, I don't want it to come across that the four of us at this table are like, no, that's not our role. Don't call us if you're sick. Don't do this. No, 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 no. Just call the deacons and they'll do it all. That wasn't the point, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that some might have might have heard that. What I was trying to do was elevate the position of deacon that I think has been watered down mm-hmm. in our church at times mm-hmm. to where the deacons aren't good enough. What I need is a pastor to pray with me because the deacons just aren't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't want it to be seen as that because their office needs to be elevated because they work alongside the pastors, complementary, equal, the, the pastors teach and lead and have authority in that. But then the deacons come alongside and actually make it function within the church and do that work. Mm-hmm. And I think our deacons are doing a, uh, a good job with that. I think they're growing in it. I think it's been different for some of them. But I think they are doing a, a good job, and I hope that it continues to grow and, e- and evolve some <clears throat> in that ministry uh, with some more responsibility and maybe some more men are qualified to serve in that so that our church can be taken care of well. Uh, I remember that was one of my, one of the things when I became uh, the lead pastor here, because Roy was awesome at visiting and he loved doing that stuff. And I remember telling people he's at his number, you know, we had a church of like 450 and I'm like, that's his number. Cause he could visit all 450. It seemed like <laughs> that's what he would do. He, he would go out and do this. But what I started to realize, what I, what I saw 
was um, that it needed to change if we were going to be healthy Mm -hmm. and continue to grow at all because no one person can meet all those needs Mm -hmm. of all those people and to really care for them well. Yeah. And so the example that's given to us in scripture is you have your pastor elders who help lead, teach, spend time praying, doing those things. But then you have a group of men who help meet those needs, visiting, caring for the hurting, benevolence needs, tangible things around the church, which has evolved over time because now we have church buildings and different things. But men who will come and and do this with with great compassion for people because of what Christ has done for them. But that seems to be the the healthiest form biblically that I see uh, taking place so that everybody's needs can be met so that when a complaint arises from, you know, the something group in our church, hey, our needs aren't being met. Okay, we want to hear you just like they did in Acts 6. We want to appoint some men to go and to take care of that need, right? That seems to be the biblical model. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think we're quite there yet, but I, I hope that we can get there so that all the needs in our church are being met by people within our church, and it doesn't have to be Tim, Dave, Scott, or Spencer there stamping it, but it's, no, my church members took care of me, right? They love me. Um, and they have compassion for me. Uh, and I, and that happens a lot. I'm not saying it's like horrible or anything. No, it happens a lot. Uh, but I think we can continue to improve in that area mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know. I hope that's some clarification. Does that help at all? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's just we have to remember that the Lord is the one who appointed these offices. Mm-hmm. And he knew what he was doing when he did that. Um, it's... I think it's okay. I have to remind myself of this at times because at times I do feel as a pastor guilty for not being out there more among people more. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it takes me a long time to wrap my head around something that I'm trying to teach or prepare for. And I have to remind myself that a day spent reading Mm -hmm. and studying is not a wasted day for me as a pastor. Mm -hmm. It's what God's called me to do. Especially me and you. We're not seminary trained like these other two. Well, I'm trying to So be. it takes us. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're in route. <laughs> There's a reason it's taking me a long time to do it. I'm sorry I grouped me with you. <laughs> My bad. I'm even yeah. lower than you. No, I but I, I do. It's uh, that that's part of what oh, makes boy. me like. So like where you like as a pastor, you you like, you know, it's uh, it's easier for you to be out there. It's I don't know what I'm trying to say. I feel guilty a lot of times for not being out doing more. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, sure. And so I just have to remind myself often that, you know, I'm part of the body. Yeah, you hear that buzz? I did. Sorry, it's my phone. Oh. (laughs) Buzzing away. No, it's all right. It's just, I mean, pastors and deacons are part of the body, the illustration that you have of the eyes, the hands, the feet, Mm -hmm. you know, all those things, the ears, the nose. And we have our role, deacons have their role, Mm -hmm. and trusting the Lord that, I am doing the role that God has called me to do, but also it's it's great when the church has men who are appointed to serve the church and are doing it well. It builds it builds the body up so that it grows. Right is what Ephesians mm-hmm. four says, and so I just have to remind myself what what the Lord has called me to do. Mm-hmm. But then, as you said, it's the call on everybody to be a servant. Right. And pastors and deacons should be the ones leading the charge in that and and being the example, following the example of Christ and being the example. to Yeah, the I think I think the deacons need to be the leaders of that within the church body. 
right? But yeah. me as a pastor, I'm also I'm a Christian. And my duty as a Christian is to serve others. And so mm-hmm. as I have the opportunity to do that as a Christian, mm-hmm. I should do that. And I feel that more so than as a pastor, I should do that. No, as a Christian, I should do that when I have this up. Now, as a pastor, when these needs come to us as the church, <clears throat> I need to humble myself to be able to hand it over to the deacons mm-hmm. to say, these are able-bodied men who will do a great job yeah. with it. I can't be everybody's hero. Well, not just that, but I, no. in my mind, sometimes I think I have the best answers. Mm-hmm. And no, I can't mm-hmm. think that. Like, I need to hand, they will have good answers. Yeah. yeah. Right. And you think of Moses. I mean, Jethro, his father-in-law, mm-hmm. basically said, hey, you're doing too much, you know, because everybody, I mean, you imagine millions of people wanting Moses to yeah. come, you know, mm-hmm. to help solve their problems in their marriages or whatever it may be. And Jethro had the wisdom to say, you need yeah. to find men who are able, who can divide up and divide and conquer, basically. So I think that's the key. And Scott said, I, I can't be your hero. The song came to my mind whenever you said that, Scott. I can be your hero. I can be your hero, <laughs> baby. Um, I can. Come <laughs> on. There's also a, isn't there a Spanish version of that song? Well, I'm sure. There's yeah, probably you know, a French one. Think about who you're here. No, one thing that comes to my mind as we think about these um, two offices, a pastor deacon, um, and I, I just kind of thinking, but the ministry of the word is especially entrusted to pastors, and the ministry of service is especially entrusted to deacons. And, and the reality is, is as in the office of believer, use that, that language, we all have a ministry of the word. And we see that whenever, particularly when we sing, we are called to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, um, and also just encouraging each other and in speaking to our families or to our neighbors about the gospel of Christ. So we all have the ministry of the word entrusted to us in some generic, general capacity, but there are those who have been called specifically to an office. And similarly with deacons, we are all called to deacon, but there is a special office that is to show as the exemplar of that in our church life. And I also think about these differences. So, so I guess I'm saying pastors, even if we're called to the office of pastor, we still have the office of believer where we're supposed to deacon in the general sense that all of us are. So we all have these and in one sense, the office of uh, the ministry of the word and of deaconing. But then also there's men who are called to fulfill these specific offices as well. Additionally, uh, these offices, there's kind of overlap at some levels, but it's a difference in emphasis. Pastors are called to preach and teach the faith in love, but deacons are called to demonstrate love in the faith while holding the faith still. So they, it's still about faith and love in both, infants, in both instances. But uh, it's interesting, Jesus Christ was able to show both fully and perfectly because he's, he's Christ. But we being uh, weak and, uh, and part of his body, and he's the head of us, um, he shows and preaches and teaches the faith of, of the gospel through pastors in a loving way. And that's what we're supposed to do. Whereas the deacons are show, supposed to show tangible acts of love to people in our church while doing that in a way consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we still have faith and love, but they're different emphases. And uh, so pastors, we need all believers and we need the deacons. The deacons need pastors and all believers and we all need each other and we're all connected to Jesus Christ from whom flows all of this life and uh, his spiritual life in the Holy Spirit to, to cleanse us, to change us, and to use us to 
um, bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to saints and sinners. Yeah, I was I was happy the other day um, when we got all that ice and stuff. We had a member here call and say we can't get out of their house because of some tree limbs or something. I didn't know what that fully meant. I didn't I didn't yeah. see it. So I wanted to drive over there and see, thinking maybe I could just push it out of the way or something. I didn't have any chainsaws or anything on me. When I got there, it was like I can't. It's a tree. <laughs> no, and I I cannot move this. Uh, but while I was there, a deacon called them and said, "I'll be there in thirty minutes." And I know for a fact that deacon had no power and had trees down too. And so what I talked about in the message of like going and serving other people, uh, I got to witness that firsthand in our church happening by one of our one of our deacons who was willing to go and really put other people even before him and his family, right? Because he knew my family's fine. It's okay. I can go help this person. It ain't going to take too long uh, and try to meet meet that need. And I'm, I'm just, I'm thankful that I got to see that and witness that. And I'm sure there, are, I'm sure there are tons of examples of that within the body of Christ. And sadly, too often we focused on maybe missed opportunities or little things that bug us. And we should talk more about those things that are happening. And I'm thankful that in our church that does happen. People are ministering to each other all the time. Uh, how often I hear people saying, oh, yeah, they brought food to me or they, they gave me gift cards or, yes, you know, so-and-so stopped by unexpectedly and we just we talked for like 15 minutes and it was great or whatever, whatever it might be, it, big things, little things. Um, I get to hear that and, and see that, and I, I hope the rest of our church family sees that and understands what's happening in those moments. It's, it's the church being the church, and if we will faithfully do that well, the Bible's very clear that others will notice. They'll notice there's something different about us, of how we love each other and how we consistently put others before ourselves uh, within our church family. And then that'll give us opportunity to point them to the reason why we do that, our King, right, to Jesus. And then God works through that by opening their eyes, opening the eyes of the blind, and then bringing them into the fold with us. So um, I hope our church continues to do that. Of course, we can get better at it and we trust that God will help us uh, with that. But all right, that's a deacon section. Now we'll move on to the other part of First Timothy chapter chapter three. I have it broke down somewhere. I think I think I'm doing verses fourteen to the end of the chapter. I think that's what's next, right, Scott? You got three verses. What? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, fourteen through sixteen is the rest of the chapter. You don't think I can preach more than one sermon on three verses? Is that a challenge? Is that a challenge? No, you Spencer? got three verses, three points. <laughs> I'll just go get a Loin Joe book on this, and I can probably do a whole series on yeah. <laughs> yeah, three verse fourteen. Right. I, <laughs> I hope the the pole in his epistle. To the yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do it as good as you there, Saint Paul. That was impressive. Yeah, you're welcome. The fact you got you, a little cold helps you. You've been working on yeah, that. Yeah, huh? I do. You, yeah. just, you listen to him stop. <laughs> <laughs> Repeat. Yes. Yeah, Rewind. Uh, you know, you can. You know, there's a podcast that me and Tim listen to that you can listen to Martin Lloyd Jones mm-hmm. speak from heaven. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yes, wow. he has been on there twice yeah, now. A couple times. A couple times. Is that That's the cloud of witnesses? It's it's a ta- somehow there's a yeah. tape. Yeah, yeah. There's a tape. Uh, you know, there's some kind of connection there, <laughs> and he's able to speak to us. It's actually. Quite amazing <laughs> how good he sounds still. I bet. <laughs> well, he's how good he sounds. He's, he, he's, he's been having his he's best glorified. life. Yes. Yes. He said, uh, 
Yeah. No. <laughs> I think he said Elvis and Tupac are up there. But yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways, I guess we should end on that. Yeah. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing you this coming Sunday as we continue to uh, study the book of First Timothy uh, together. Um, and so, Lord willing, we'll, we'll see you on Sunday. Until then, we hope you have a great week. God bless.